0: like never before. It's been a fun week here on the podcast. We just had Horst Schulze on. It's a big week as well. If you haven't checked out what's going on at churchgrowthmasterclass.com, head on over. We'll say more about that in a few minutes. But I'm so excited to have Sean Cannell on the show. So, sean is someone who was introduced to me we got introduced by mutual friend and uh, i am gonna jump into video uh, a lot more than i have in the past and sean kennel did that a few years ago and basically tells you how to do it from scratch, Sean is one of the most watched video content experts in the world, and one of his channels was listed by Forbes as one of the top twenty channels that'll change your business. He's the best-selling author of his book YouTube Secrets, which is a great, easy read, and his YouTube channel Think Media reaches over twenty-one point five million people a month. A month, yeah, that's uh, that's not bad traffic. And today he opens up his notebook. And he shares with us all the secrets about how to get a video presence online, why video is so important, what to do if you don't have a staff, you don't have a budget, etc., etc., etc. I think you're going to absolutely love today's episode, and I'm so grateful that uh, Sean was willing to come on and share with us. Also, speaking of what's going on at Church Growth Masterclass, did you know that 94% of churches today are either not growing or not growing at the same rate as their community um, that weighs heavy on me because I really believe the church is the hope of the world. And I talk to thousands of pastors every year and they're frustrated. So, this is the fun thing the Church Growth Masterclass is a new resource that we're just launching this week and it can help you in a couple of different ways. You'll find all the details on the website. But if your church isn't growing, check. We will walk through all. All the things that will help you diagnose maybe why you're not growing. And then if your church is growing, but you're hitting barriers, yeah, we covered that as well. Got brand new bonus videos. It's it's super exciting. Head on over to churchgrowthmasterclass.com to learn more while you still can and while you have introductory pricing. Also, what are you doing to train your volunteers? Because Trained Up by ServeHQ has an incredible platform that is going to help you mix their high-quality training with your own by using simple, flexible online course builder tools. You Think about it, okay? Course building is huge right now online. And what if you built some courses for your volunteers? A couple of reasons. you know. Number one, you want your volunteers to be trained just so they know what to do. But could you imagine if you had world-class volunteers? Could you imagine if your volunteers were excited to show up And if they were recruiting their friends you know what the difference is a lot of the time it's training so here's some of the stuff that's new that's inside trained up by servehq you can choose a course from their extensive training library and mix and match add your own modules to customize it for your ministry so for example you can take their getting started in children's ministry course which offers a full like training and then add your own custom videos by using a simple webcam recorder Or what you can do is you can take your own training and record your videos directly into a new course inside Trained Up without a middle step. For example, you could create a course for group leaders to learn your church's unique approach to group life. If you have training videos or content that are ready to go, you can still use Trained Up as the delivery platform. Just take your existing course and upload the content from your computer or you can use training content that you find online from YouTube or Vimeo. It's like almost infinitely configurable. Did I say that right? I think so. And Trained Up supports non-video-based training too, which means you can use PDF files, Word docs, images, and even plain text. So you've got no excuse. One of the other things Trained Up has done is drop their prices. And now they're offering a free trial. So to start your 14-day free trial, head on over to servehq.church. Well, guys, without much further ado, I am so excited to dive into the exploding world of video online. It's something like I think 95% of Gen Z is on YouTube every day. And if you want to be a celebrity with the next generation, be a YouTuber, this guy is. Here's my conversation with video expert and uh, all-around good guy, Sean Cannell. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Carrie, so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. We have a mutual friend in Alejandro Reyes who introduced us, but uh, it's been quite the journey for you over the last little while on YouTube and uh, doing doing some incredible stuff. Give us a thumbnail. Uh, you're a professional uh, YouTuber which and you're not 14, which is incredible, right? That's true.
1: Um, that is, I would say I, I, YouTube is kind of my full-time job. Another way I put it is I run a media company, a media education company that helps people learn social media and online video. And that's really been an evolution, but Carrie, it starts all the way back in 2003 when I started volunteering at my youth ministry, an hour North of Seattle, small church, And my youth pastor handed me a video camera and some video editing software, Adobe Premiere Pro. And he said, start making video announcements for youth group on Wednesday nights. And so he just pushed it on me, you know, like a leader. He was like, he saw something in me. He's like, hey, start doing this. And I'll tell you what, your first videos are going to be your worst videos because those first couple of years, man, they were just terrible But what was so cool about that was, you know, today in social media and a lot of leaders listening probably are understanding, man, I got to be pumping out content to just get the word out about my church, my business, whatever it is. But I was getting disciplined. This was before social media started. 2003, I had to do weekly videos and every week I had to come up with something, shoot it, get it edited. And I actually – we recorded it on DV tapes and we would capture it minute (laughs) for minute into the editing software then we'd capture it back onto the mini dv tape and i know there's probably some of the older leaders listening myself included we would put it in a vhs converter and play it in a vcr wednesday nights for youth group i hit hit play on the vcr and then (laughs) it played the the uh, announcements um but that's really where it started
0: yeah this is pre-facebook literally wasn't facebook oh facebook 04? i think i think
1: uh youtube started in 2005 Facebook was public by 2007. So it might have started early when it was just for call, you know, just for the students. And so, yeah, that was a huge kind of advantage. It was the God set up to be doing that. And eventually the senior pastor said, hey, can you do video announcements on the weekends as well? And as a volunteer now, I did a video on Wednesday and a video on Sunday Every week, that's 104 videos a year. I do a few extra testimonial videos and story videos as well. But I was really cutting my teeth and learning, I think, one of the new school disciplines that we need to know as leaders, if not us, we need to have the vision for for team around us to be building stuff. And that is consistent content.
0: How old were you uh, when that happened? 21
1: um, off of a, I went to Bible College, Perry Bible Institute Alberta, Canada. That's a whole story for itself. Small town. Okay, you got
0: a Canadian connection. Get out. That's right.
1: And a lot of my family members went up there um, and and a few of them are missionaries. So that's how it was on my radar. So I just went up to do a year, a certificate in Bible. And once I completed that year, I came back home and got involved in an internship and kind of like a local ministry school. So along with my youth ministry, it was called Soma Northwest School of Ministry Arts Northwest, where you'd get a DMA, a degree in ministry arts. And it was all internship, youth ministry, hustling to pay the bills, waiting tables at Red Robin. While I was learning all of that and uh, and doing ministry,
0: but then you actually were in ministry for a little while. You were a campus pastor at one point, right? of a large church, yeah, for years.
1: So I in during that church, I was always I was in ministry and I was serving and I was trying to pay the bills, so I was doing multiple things. And then I was always started to work on like video as a side hustle. in two thousand and ten, um I started a business called Clear Vision Media. Mm-hmm. because all, I'm self-taught. I learned all the video skills in school. So then people in the church were like, can you shoot my wedding? And then eventually I started working for small businesses and then some different companies. And so that was w- kind of one foot in those waters. But eventually through YouTube, I actually started working with YouTubers. I started to, uh, as clients, some of the, that were already sort of getting famous, I would shoot some videos for them, do some video production for them. They're hiring me out. And one of those trips brought me to Las Vegas, And I was able to bring my wife just so she can enjoy the trip as well. We shot some, Content with a uh, local Generosity Water event and some YouTubers. And then I visited a church on Sunday, which led to us eventually moving here and joining staff at that church. Uh, And years later, I became a campus pastor. So I was the director of communications. I was doing marketing. Eventually a door opened to, to be in a leadership role as far as being a campus pastor. Did that for a year and a half. And at the end of that season, or as I was transitioning, the lead pastor, Benny Perez, Sat me down. He said, "How are you feeling? How do you feel about you know what's happened so far at the church?" I go, "You know, Pastor Benny." I go, "I kind of feel like Michael Jordan playing baseball." <laughs> and as a sports guy himself, you could he you he, he could have thought that was like a prophecy. He was like, "Oh man, that struck true." He's like, "I really feel that." You, like I learned uh, in that campus pastor role, I've never grown more as a leader but I had greater clarity than ever before that God had really put me in this grace zone of being deeply passionate about social media, outreach, modern marketing, and the power of leveraging these online platforms like YouTube to make a massive difference and a massive impact. And really, I view YouTube and social media as a mission field. I wrote Mm -hmm. a book during that time called YouTube for Churches. And so anyways, that was sort of the trigger event that moved us into a transition of, uh, of about a year of more ministry, kind of in a freelance capacity, helping that church and that movement with some social media. And then eventually, doing what I'm doing today which our main company is called Think Media we have a team of about 10 people and we have we're very we're purpose driven entrepreneurs that are deeply passionate about helping other leaders learn how to leverage new technology to make a greater impact with their mission
0: well it's kind of interesting because there was a period in your life and we have a lot of leaders listening including you know marketplace leaders and church leaders and some of them are kind of between assignments right now and wasn't there a series where you had uh, a number of things just like, yeah, we don't need your services anymore. And that kind of pushed you into what you're doing today. Do you want to tell us about that episode?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think what can happen is that sometimes when we are maybe in between assignments or even maybe doing well in our assignment, we have something as leaders that is always on the attack for us. And that is this C word comfort. You can get comfortable and that's actually where I was, you know, once I transitioned out of that camp campus pastor role, I had three main freelance clients and they were each with some pretty good uh, amount of income. My wife and I we moved back to Vegas and we were based in our uh, church but serving in a freelance capacity and then working for a couple other business owners. And we were in a place where cost of living here was great, paying the bills, comfortable, kind of working on a side hustle, but like this is this is nice and It was definitely a comfortable season. But as you mentioned, October 2015, I'll never forget it. Week number one, I get a phone call. One of those clients calls says, hey, you know, we've hired some people. We're transitioning some things. We got to let you go. Okay, no big deal. It's only one out of three. Week two. Ring, get a call. Hey, Sean. You know, uh, we've been using you. We're, we're changing directions. We got to let you go now. Sweat beating down my face. I'm like, okay, well, that's two out of like, three. I'm in the book
0: of Job here. Hang on, just a yeah. second.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, but at least I got one. You know, it's like yeah, Jerry yeah. McGuire, like one client. You're like, hey, who's coming with me? But then God is my witness. That third week, bring get that call, and I got let by. You know, our our main income. It was eighty to ninety percent of our monthly income disappeared Ooh. in three weeks. Wow. And so you know, I know Jesus said, don't worry, but you know, I still worry sometimes. I, mean, I was worried. I mean, I would, I would be honest. So I'm, I, you know, that fourth week I'm, I'm worried. I'm talking about it with my wife. We're thinking through this, but you know, get wisdom always like his uh, plan succeed for a multitude of counsel. So I called up a mentor of mine, um, David Goldstein and said, you know, Hey, I'm worried about this. What do you think? And he goes, you know what? I'm not worried. Now, as a side note, David is uh, been independently kind of successful in business, has built you know complete leverage and is a big kingdom giver. So he's like, I'm not worried. And I'm thinking I'm offended now. David, <laughs> I know you're not worried, but I also know that you never cut checks for my rent. And so I get it, but I'm, I kind of joke because I'm glad he said that. He goes, no, I'm not worried because I feel like as an entrepreneur that I know that you're called to be, at some point you need to jump off the cliff. But in this case, God just kicked you off. Now you have no choice. <laughs> like you just got... It's like sink or swim because all the clients are gone. I think what you need to do is go all in in this new world reality, meaning not like client work, not agency work, but all in making money online, you know, producing content, serving people. And that's what we did. And and in two months from finally for the first time in my life, it was the power of focus. There's a good book called Essentialism. It was like, mm, man, this thing's got to work. And I just went all in. And so the nice thing about that is one of the ways we monetize is affiliate marketing, which is simply when we recommend a product, um, to somebody. And if they purchase it, we get a percentage of the commission as a tech YouTuber is one of the things I help people with finding cameras, finding lighting, figuring out how to do video. I was able in those two months, November and December now of 2015, to recover all of that income. And by January 1st, 2016, we had replaced all that freelance income and since then have now scaled into building a seven figure media company, team members, working with an agency and working with Alejandro and, you know, uh, other people. And it's been amazing what's happened. But it all came to this moment where you either jump off the cliff or maybe God kicks you off the cliff
0: how did you know what to focus on? Because you'd been dabbling by that point for a dozen-ish years. So you'd done a lot of stuff. Uh, That panic moment happens. How did you mention affiliate marketing? So how did you, like, you know, I can see a lot of people, you know, they have their day job and it's like, yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of YouTube. I'll do some blogging. I'll launch a podcast, whatever. But it's that slow, steady thing that you had been doing. And then all of a sudden you're in the middle of the ocean and no life raft. How did you know what to hang on to? Because that's a pretty quick turnaround, like two months, you can measure it in days. That's fast.
1: It was super fast. And the reason why is because I wasn't, just sitting there waiting until that moment happened to start building something. I was building something on the side really for a rainy day. And if there's one piece of advice I could give to everybody listening is I think that in the world that we're living in, it's always smart to diversify a little bit. I think you have to have your heart wholeheartedly in whatever your assignment is. I like to think of it, though, as like an 80-20, like you're all in and what you're doing, meaning you're faithful, you're being faithful, you're seeing it through. But all of us as humans should have some leisure time, should have some rest time. I think it's up to you as the individual to take a portion of that and say, hey, could I chip away at a blog little by little each week? Could I start a podcast? Mm -hmm. Could I start something else online? And what happened was, you're right, it was very quick, but it also wasn't because what I had been doing was... What happened here was I had planted the seed years before and I had watered it when I could And so roots were going down into the soil. So then boom, and it actually had already sprouted up a little bit, but then boom, when I hit the hard season, I already had a root system. I already had proof of concept and I already had, I had tested a lot of things that didn't work and I had tested some things that did work. And I like to encourage people, if you've made $5 online or $50 online or anywhere for that matter, that's proof of concept. Now, your next question is just scaling that. So I was like, wow, I've learned all this stuff now with unbroken focus if I just and, I, and, and I'll and be honest, I was working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks for those first two months because it was as if our life depended on it because it kind of <laughs> did. And so I was just all in. But I did know what to do. Why? Because I was testing, experimenting, learning. I was digging my well before I was thirsty. So when that mm. day came, I was prepared to take action and I had a little bit of momentum to work with. I see too many people fail because they literally let things slow to zero in their life and then they try to get things going, whereas you could have been nurturing something on the side little by little so that you truly are positioned for a season like that.
0: For that 60-day turnaround, what was your immediate focal point? Like, what did you do that generated that amount of money that fast? Understanding that you've, you know, you've been nurturing this on the side.
1: 100%. So here's how it works. What I had figured out was a couple facts, and this is a great question. I had figured out that YouTube was a search engine. And that's a profound insight because that means that people are typing in questions into YouTube looking for answers. Now, we can later on talk about how people are asking questions about God and faith or how to clean their swimming pool so this could have relevancy for a business owner or for a church or a leader. But in this case, since we went all the way back to 2003 when I started getting into video and cameras in 2010, I started a business, I took out a loan and I bought about $10,000 worth of camera gear. And one of the things that I learned, and this is really good advice for freelancers or anybody that does invest in gear or expensive things, recording equipment's a good example. A lot of musicians, a lot of worship leaders can benefit from this. What I realized is I have all this gear, I could just flip a camera on, talk about it online, review it, show how to use it, compare some things. As a user myself, What you're doing is what do you wish you would have known before you made that terrible purchase and that regret, you know, that thing that didn't work. Or if you were comparing two things. So uh, years before I had done videos called like best camera for YouTube 2015 or 2016, I had done like best lighting or this lighting versus that lighting knowing these were the two hot things that people were interested in. So fact number one is YouTube is a search engine. Fact number two was that if you put out strategic videos in front of search terms and they rank in search, they show up on the other side, you can get views while you snooze. You can (laughs) actually have true leverage, just like smart people invest in real estate because it creates true leverage, it builds wealth and create passive income. It's kind of like video real estate. You put out a video, if it's good, and it sits there on the internet, you create it once, but it's viewed the next day and the next day and a month later, and then you do that over and over. So then the next fact was I was like, how many videos can I possibly do? So when I'm working 60 to 80 um, hours a week during that time, I was just trying to put out as much volume, keeping the quality high of actual individual videos because the more videos is the more potential to get a base hit, Get some views, get some effectiveness, but maybe get a grand slam and get a really big ranked video that gets hundreds of views, sometimes an hour carry. I mean, right Mm. now, Think Media is getting around 2,500 views every 60 minutes, not because I upload new content, but because I have a library of ranked videos. And then the last fact is affiliate marketing. So now if you watch a video, you type something in to search, what is the best camera for YouTube? There I am, and now I'm making some different recommendations. I'm giving you some different pointers. And then I say, and if you wanna check any of these out, there's links in the description below. If someone clicks one of those links, the majority is over on amazon.com, and they go over and purchase that camera, I can get a commission between four to 10%, $1,000 camera, 4%, that's $40, $2,000 camera, $80. Mm-hmm. If I do multiple sales a day, you can start doing the math and seeing how that could compound and stack. And let me just insert one little fact. When someone clicks an Amazon link, the cookie, which just means the tracking code, actually credits anything that person purchases for up to 24 hours. Yeah. So what I also learned about affiliate marketing was that when I had just volume in the world, like if I'm talking about tech and for a while I did these videos like Christmas gift ideas and a couple of different gift ideas, videos, very intentional of like, okay, someone's kind of, they're looking for information on the internet, but they need a bridge. Here's the way to put it. I think of myself as a Best Buy salesman, except Best Buy salesmen, they don't get, um, Commission. They just get hourly. I don't get hourly. No one's paying me, but I just get commission. And I hope I like to think that I'm also the best buy salesman that everyone wished they ran into. Deeply knowledgeable. Looking for a gift for
0: my husband or my son. What do I get them?
1: Adding real true value. And so YouTube is a search engine. I put out as much volume as I could. And by the way, it was good timing when everything when all my clients fired me because um Black Friday, Cyber Monday, these are what we call tent poles. They're high search volume, high shopping volume. And so I just put out as much content as I could, and what I've learned is that about 50% of the content I recommend is what's purchased, but the other 50% is someone watched one of my videos and was like, "Cool, well, I'm not going to buy a camera for a year, but I'm going to get all of my husband's Christmas shopping done." So then I start looking in and I'm selling watches and like books and weird stuff I've never Socks. recommended.
0: He's yeah. <laughs> getting commissions. Exactly. Wow. Now, how do you, uh, just so I know, is that all through Amazon or are you contacting Sony and Nikon and Canon going, hey, can I get affiliate commission or is that just 100% Amazon affiliates?
1: So the biggest one and that I like to recommend is Amazon for that very reason, because they have everything, but they also have everything else. So if you just put volume of clicks, whether you have a blog or a podcast, you know, someone Again, you might, a lot of people could do this, this is practical in your world, it's just books. It's not gonna be like huge commissions, but you might say five books every leader should read. Your audience is like, well, thank you so much for serving these up, I wanna buy all five, but here's, they also might buy another other two books they wanted to get. So Amazon's great because of that everything store nature of it. Um, I don't do affiliate programs really through any of those individual websites, Canon or Sony, because they're typically not as good or even as trusted. People want to use Amazon because they're already set up there. They already have Prime. The other one is B&H Photo. But in our brand in our company now, there's about 20 different affiliate programs we've done. We've done stuff in the health space, um, uh, health and fitness, whether that's Um, you know, supplements or nutrition. That is a major one. That's a big profitable niche, if you will. Um, And we'll do software. So I've got some very profitable ones around software or around a lot of like templates for making video intros or royalty-free music, and just a lot of things that are in our niche. And we find out that there's always more affiliate programs. Software we use, it could be Dropbox or hosting for your blog. Um, But truly, there's almost an affiliate program for anything. Sometimes we'll partner with people's events or people's digital courses. And so we today are a part of over 20 different affiliate programs.
0: Wow. So that's definitely one source of income. I want to pull the camera back a little bit and thanks for that story. I'm always fascinated in origin stories. When, uh, so your current company, did you start that out of that? You morphed because you had, what was it? Clear vision communication or clear?
1: Yeah. Clear vision media. You know, this is sort of another rabbit trail, but I think it's fun. It serves the audience. Uh, Think Media is a YouTube channel that started in 2010 and now it's turned into, I think this is interesting to encourage people that like just the evolution of things. And I wish I could look back and say, God showed up with an angel and a scroll and it was like, here's exactly what's going to happen over the next decade. But actually, if we throw back to 2010 and even nine, we started a a YouTube channel called Think International with a really good friend of mine, Jeff Moores. And that was a a kind of dive into the YouTube world super early, especially in the church space. That channel is about 12,000 subscribers. And in 2009, we started to. Um, do leadership videos. And this was mostly Jeff. He was my youth pastor from two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. So we wow. started a YouTube channel and and then we started to interview church leaders. And so this was something that's pretty common today, but back in those days, it was um it was we were sort of like the first people kind of doing it. It's still there today. You could see think International. And so the promise of that channel was was a lot of leadership content, conversations with church leaders and faith-based leaders, as well as kind of tips videos around practical leadership. And because we had that channel, as things were evolving, some people would hit me with questions. How did you produce that video? What camera did you use? What lens did you use? So I thought, well, and by the way, we just made that name up, too. We're like, Think is kind of a cool name, International. Let's impact the world, I Think International. Okay, cool. It's like, what does it mean? I don't know. I mean, that's it was called Think International. So then Think Media <laughs> was the media side. Then it was like, okay, well, let's Think Think Media. That's what it'll be called. And it was i started to talk about cameras and for a while i was talking i still do social media how to use those channels because we were distributing all of that content using social using a blog in 2010 that was like super early compared you know now we're almost 10 years later and so that is where think media started however it was sort of just on the back burner i ignored it for almost five years i would upload here and there just whenever i had something to share and it turned out today to be the strongest brand out of all the various experiments i've done I have about four YouTube channels or six total and only two are successful. And insert a little stat I heard. I heard once that you could, it applies to church planners and it applies to entrepreneurs that most people uh, – not most people. The stat was that on average – I don't know where they got this data and I wish I had the actual source, but mm. it's still pretty encouraging and I think it will resonate – was that entrepreneurs have are, are usually successful and they break through on their – Two and a half project. So it said that (laughs) they've had 2.5 projects before they break through. In other words, they've had probably two to three things fail before they figured out the thing that works. And I just share that to be encouraging because now I've got these YouTube channels that like I wrote the book, YouTube Secrets, like How did that come from? Like, where did all the uh, wisdom come from? Same thing that probably everybody listening came from. Not because we're great. It's because we failed so much. Like, We've had whole YouTube channels that have been mistakes and whole like series of content that were like, wow, if I knew this one thing that, you know, or I would have started this differently, or I would have named things differently. And instead of just naming, whipping a name out of a hat, whatever it is, all that wisdom that comes from failure, I heard it put this way, that the master has failed more times than the amateur has even tried.
0: Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so we've just failed a lot. And uh, some of those other projects led to that. So anyways, that's where Think Media came from. Um, but today now, we, I'd say that it's, Three years old, four years old, because the start of the real entrepreneur journey, it was like the seeds were planted, but the start was around 2016, which then it became all in. We now throw a live event. We're trying to like have logos and branding. And it's been this really interesting progression that has kind of been like ready, shoot, aim. (laughs) <laughs> as opposed to ready, aim, fire. It was like, just jump out, like punch fear in the face, punch perfectionism in the face, press record, hit that publish button and then be like, okay, what are we doing again? And that's kind of what we've been doing over the last few years, refining our brand, refining our messaging and and kind of leveraging the momentum that has happened and um, trying to get greater clarity as we go.
0: I think it's uh, Winston Churchill who said that success is moving from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm, one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, because you, you almost, I mean, we all have this idea that successful people, you know, one day you just woke up and it's like, I'm going to launch Think Media. And suddenly 2,500 people an hour show up after, you know, in the first week. And when that doesn't happen for us, we're like, I quit, you know, and and it never works out that way. Okay, I want to focus uh, on video now. And I know this sounds obvious, but video is one of the largest platforms in the world, one of the fastest growing in the world, Again, at the risk of sounding too elemental, because I honestly think, as you and I talked about before we hit record, most churches are way behind on video, even though we do video every week. And most businesses are way behind on video, even though it's exploding. Why is it exploding? Why is video still exploding and expected to explode even more in the future?
1: Yeah, I think um, video is king. There's no question about that. Mm. Cisco uh, did a study that by 2020, The internet will be 90% video content. Social Media Examiner did a study um, that video is people's preferred content format of choice. Now, you're listening and you might be thinking, well, it's not my preferred content format. That's fine. You might love podcasts and audio. You might prefer to read. But the large majority of people want to consume video content. And I think it's pretty simple because a picture speaks a thousand words then a video can communicate a million because it's moving pictures and a video Mm -hmm. done well. And I think what churches really do understand is they're actually a lot of times pretty decent at internal communications as it pertains to video. If they're sharing testimonies and stories of what is happening in the life of the church, if they're capturing baptisms and what people are, you know, that stuff can be so powerful I think where a lot of churches and leaders and businesses as well are missing out is that external outreach is that the even thinking the strategy is different of what you would put on Facebook and put on Instagram and put on YouTube in as far as video goes to reach new people and impact your um, community and potentially have new people visit your church or also to do in reach on social media, because that's also where your people are. So, being able to communicate with them and reach them to uh, bring inspiration, awareness of events and things, um, and potentially even the deepening of spiritual practice, like reminders, uh, meeting them during the week. You know, at some point, uh, I, I definitely have to shout out Brady Shearer and Pro oh, Church yeah. Tools. I think that a lot of his messaging, it's probably one of the most essential to subscribe to YouTube shows this is one of my favorite shows is their five day a week show. But he talks about sees the one, six, seven sees the, you know, churches get people for an hour on the weekends. Yeah. But it's that other one hundred and sixty seven hours during the week that we should be asking, what are we doing with pictures, words, audio and video to maximize all these other days of the week, not just to promote the women's ministry gathering and not just to try to get someone to register for Financial Peace University, but ultimately to potentially inspire spiritual practice, to cause depth and connection, to get people in groups or whatever other objectives we have as leaders.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's good. So here's, here's my question, because I'm probably a late adopter to video. Uh, I'm an audio podcast guy and one of the reasons like I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that you're listening while you're driving while you're out for a run while you're mowing the lawn whatever you happen to be doing and it's multitasking I am incredibly ADD and, and I realize this bucks all trends because you know you look at the demographics on YouTube and the younger you are the more likely you love video the whole deal but like how does that work? Why is it exploding so much when video pretty much demands your full focus?
1: I think it's it's probably exploding. I love that you said that, but I think there could be one tweak, and that is this, that some podcasters capture video as well. And yeah. I think it's options. I think that's probably the best way to answer your question, is it's just options. We should pr- not try and predetermine what the audience wants. It's 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 Paul saying, become all things to all people. It's meeting people where they are dressed in the format that they would prefer. Therefore, one of the reasons why I love video, if you can do it, is it's actually the best kind of content to put at the top of the trickle down funnel, if you will. And here's what I mean. If you turn the camera on and also capture the audio, then you can, you can have a video to upload to YouTube. You can have video moving content to have snippets uploaded to Facebook and to Instagram and what we would call micro content, even on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a very hot platform right now with a lot of growth and that's exploding when it comes to video. And so you can now chop that content up and like you said, you and many people like you, by all means, audio is massive because it does give us that freedom and that multitask ability. That same audio can still find its way onto um, those podcasts to meet those people. But you've just unlocked a whole nother channel of somebody that maybe wants to consume it in a different way. And we also now are also really just talking about maybe one form of content, longer form teaching or education conversation or leadership content. But I think video has the opportunity to also be much more expansive than that in content format storytelling even branding would be you know showing more than just telling about how to do something or solving a problem you know whatever it is Um, another guy to shout out that I think church leaders would love is Trey van camp he's a vlogging pastor, he's church planter, he's he's consistent with a vlog, but he made one of the most creative welcome videos, which was essentially just putting a video on the internet that would walk you through literally what would happen in your church from a first-person perspective. Very creatively done. And so that's another format. So that's to say that maybe a lot of theological leadership, longer-form content Performs better in audio because people want to be on the treadmill or they want to be moving. But a power question to ask everybody listening right now is what kinds of visual content should you be creating to further the mission of your organization? Content that is designed to be uploaded on Facebook with and, and this is just if I pause here. One of the best things we can ever do as leaders, and you would agree with this, right? Mm -hmm. Classic book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the habits is begin with the end in mind. Yep. Just simply start with the end in mind. What is the purpose and the intent of this piece of content? So we should be asking, what is going to get new people through our doors? That is a different question than what is going to deepen the bond our current members or church congregation what kind what of content could go out to just deepen the bond with that group of people? That is a different piece of, it's two different audiences. One person doesn't even know you exist yet. One person already loves you, but you're just going to a deeper level. That's the lead pastor or someone on the team or whoever uploading a video to say, hey, we just want to send a video out to literally say, we love you. We appreciate you. We care about you. What's the, you know what your intent is. You're beginning with the end in mind. I want to deepen the bond. What's another thing? I want people in small groups. What's another thing? As a leader, I want to make money off affiliate marketing so I can actually pay my bills this month. So I had a sniper focus on the intent of the content I was creating during those two months. We all need to know that and then work backwards. And then maybe very quickly, creative ideas can flow in because then we could say, oh, well, we could just do this. And now we know, like starting with the end in mind, we know what it is we're trying to achieve. And then we reverse engineer the video content to do so.
0: Interesting. You know, so uh, you're, you're right. You're making me rethink this. And I have read your book. It's a great book. It's great primer, uh, YouTube secrets. But uh, I've had people on my team say, why don't you just launch your video camera? And I, or video channel, I don't struggle with perfectionism in a lot of areas of my life, but I'm like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm just not ready. I don't have the gear, you know, and yet here we are while you're talking. I'm thinking I have a video of almost every single of my 250 podcast interviews archived because I do these via video right now. You could argue uh, it's not really set up. I don't have the right lighting. But at the end of the day, are you saying it could be as simple as just throw this video on a YouTube channel and see who shows up?
1: Well, for not holding back from the sting of what I'm about to say, dare I say now you saying you're saying, and luckily you have all the videos, so there's a bright future. But I would, I would, I would argue this is going to be a strong word, Carrie. I love yeah. you. That it is irresponsible of you. <laughs> To not have used, because here's why, Uh, really, and and you being also a great leader and a systems guy, you could systematize a process that you're just leveraging another channel. All of these could also be on YouTube, which is a search engine, which has great SEO and search properties. So just with a solid title, solid thumbnail, fill out the description of the video, throw some tags in there. Not even doing that, and you still could have more upside than just letting them sit on your computer. But if you did that, that would be optimization at another level. And again, that's why some people could find you there. Some people will find you on iTunes, some people will find you on Stitcher, and you're just giving people more opportunities. Um, the second level, if I may take it a level further, Go is that also, because you've got all these video snippets, and you could do this without video, is that the highlights of each of your episodes Probably one to three highlights from each episode should be cut out, and that is a native upload, meaning it's not a link. It's actually uploaded directly to Facebook or it's uploaded as a square in my Instagram feed that then educates about the fact a new episode is out. And I know you've seen this, but that's – then that becomes another video. And that's why video at the top is amazing because you could transcribe it and turn it into a blog post. You could um, put quote cards on visuals around uh, things that happened in this conversation. You could then upload the full length video to YouTube and the full length audio to the other platforms, but then you could chop out you could do 10. You could chop out one to 10 micro pieces that are uploaded to LinkedIn, that are uploaded to Facebook, that are uploaded to Instagram. And as you progress in this, some of this could be, I understand, could be kind of overwhelming. You're like, my gosh, because then there is the execution of it yeah. all. But as you get comfortable with it, then it's even better where we share different content where I'd say you want to be contextual. You want it. You'll get more nuanced in how smart, your context is. And what I mean for us is that on LinkedIn, we talk much heavier business entrepreneurship language on Instagram. It might be more inspirational, lighter, more about the latest cameras and latest tech, because we are reverse engineering. Who's the audience there? What is the mindset there? And therefore, in this interview, there might be a heavy business piece and then there might be a heavy, you know, whatever it is. And so now one interview like this, one piece of solo round that you do could be turned into multiple pieces of content. And I think what we're going to be seeing is the evolution of churches and business leaders in figuring out how to install systems in their, in their workflow to do something like this. And, and, and let's just break it down real quick. I'll try to keep yeah, it under yeah. 60 keep seconds. Going. Business leader or church, they record one podcast a week. They then just know what happens next with it. So now that's turned into 30 to 50 pieces of content systematized and distributed for the rest of the week. So therefore, that senior leader or that business owner, they might be on the hook for an hour to record a podcast like this, turn it off, and then let the system take over. What I would say, though, is that you need to be committed just like we all do, that nothing's as easy as it seems. And that probably doesn't sound Mm -hmm. easy, That you maybe need to invest a year of your life doing the hard work of establishing the system, of pioneering the pipeline, of educating and training the mindset and the capabilities of the leaders that would support that. But in doing so, coming into 2020, you would be positioned to dominate where a lot of churches and businesses are having trouble catching up with the demands of modern marketing and modern social media.
0: No, I think that's really good. You know what? It's kind of convicting to hear you say that because I, I, I mean, I've written about abundance thinking versus scarcity thinking. But you know, you you hit a really important, finally crystallized for me. My team's going, "Duh!" We've been trying to tell you this for a year. But you know what it is? In in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if my audience can listen, why would they want to watch? And I understand that there's a percentage that would. But but the point is, and what I realize is so faulty about that thinking is no there's a whole bunch of people who will watch who will never listen. And you're sitting there going, oh, good, traffic's up. Like, you know, we're hitting all-time highs on this podcast, but we're missing a significant chunk of the market. And I just literally got a text from one of my best friends. He's like, why do you never Instagram about your podcast? I'm like, well, you know, I got to hire a team and we're looking for that guy right now. And it's just like, and I take this back to church world. I don't know about the business leaders listening, but, you know, we produce video content. 52 Sundays a year, even if you're a small church now, you got a video cam going, you upload it to your website and it l- goes to sit there and die. And you don't chop and slice and take highlights out and put them on to uh, your social. And a lot of churches don't even like we use Vimeo maybe as the player, but you don't bother to upload it to YouTube. And so I hope this is like blowing up people's thinking. About what we're missing. And again, it is more work for someone else, but it's not like, oh, now I have to preach 30 messages. It's taking the one thing you did and slicing it up on the different channels so it appears, which of course attracts new people, new subscribers, new this, new that, right? All that. Am I getting it right? You're getting it
1: completely right. And I have a confession. I love that you said, you know,
0: I'm usually not a
1: perfectionist, but when it comes to this video thing, I've hedged a little. I'm actually reverse guilty. I have procrastinated and hedged away from audio solely uh, from podcasting because I've said, "Oh well, we could upload some of our videos to a podcast, but I would want to shoot a new intro, and I don't have the team <laughs> yet. I don't have the da, da, da. and so I talk myself." But that's that's the thing. There's this whole other side of things where people are like, "I want to just be able to on my platform of choice." I'm in love with Google Play. I'm in love with Stitcher. I'm in love with iTunes. I I want you to be on Spotify. Spotify is blowing up right now for podcasts. Yeah, I'm on
0: Spotify. Thank you.
1: So it's like I, one I, thing I, right. It's where people are. It's 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 it is very gospel, is it not? Like it's like yeah yeah yeah. Bus- you go. Like, you go to all the
0: earth, and half the earth is on YouTube right now, and we're we're missing it in the business world, in the social world. And you know, when I'm thinking through it, like I mean, you have a great setup. You got this killer mic, the Shure retro mic, which is awesome. Beautiful office, uh, like this is very easily postable, and maybe this will be my challenge. Like, guys, check out if I had enough nerve to actually put this on YouTube. But maybe this is the launch of my YouTube channel right now with this podcast episode. But looking back, there's some I can't do because I've interviewed and I won't out the guests, but women with no makeup who are like this isn't on video, right? I'm like, no, 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 just I do it, and the reason I do video is I'm a better interviewer. I can I I stay engaged. But I'm afraid because I have a terrible resting face. It looks like I'm angry or constipated all the time. And, you know, if I was actually on a, on a TV set, I would be going there. The other thing I've done, and maybe just speak to this for a minute because I know you write about it in your book, but like my assistant who's 20, we're doing a live shoot next week in Atlanta. He's like, should I hire a video crew? And I'm like, no, that's going to be like 2,500 bucks. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how much it costs. I just made up a figure, right? Probably too high. I'm like, and then I don't know whether the channel will be ready but at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be like a $2,500 solution every time you upload a video, right? Like you can you can get started with what you have. Do you want to talk about that for a minute and getting started? Because you're doing this with audio. Like I got my pod because I knew radio. I'm like, I can do this thing for a thousand bucks. Now it costs a lot more than that today. I have a staff and everything. But like I got out of the gate for under a thousand bucks and I knew I could do that on audio. My hesitation has been on video you're you race to the market with video with like basically your phone uh, and just talk about the cost of entry and the barriers to entry and how low that has gotten.
1: Absolutely. And I think that uh, there was a great quote by Zig Ziglar that said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Mm. And. The most important thing you can do is start because your first videos will be your worst videos. And it's important that you practice, but I think it's also important to practice in public. So in answer to your first question, uh, Carrie, I think that the phone in most people's pockets is is I know I know the phone in most people's pockets is good enough to start. I know that um, it, most of them record 1080p or 4K video and that you could pull it out, press record. And today, in fact, this could be a challenge for those listening that want to take it up. You hit record on the phone and you say, hey, Sean here, and here's video number one for my YouTube channel. You know, my passions are leadership or faith-driven leadership. And so we're going to be talking about this on this channel. I have no idea when it's going to look like, when it's going to upload. Connect with me on social. Some dude on a podcast encouraged me to do this. Turn it off and upload it. Here's the thing. Then you have a video public. You can title it. You can go through the process. And here's what you can also do. First of all, you go, well, what if someone sees it? You're the best <laughs> the thing point. that could happen to yeah. you is that if that went viral. But chances are actually zero people are going to see it. That process was more for you more than the public. Because after you get that first video up, I need you to get your next 10 up just to kind of get the cobwebs out of your, your brain and just to kind of get loose a little bit, practice a little bit. So all you need – is your phone, and then you can continue to level up as you go. I heard uh, a preacher that I love early on said that the best way to teach a preacher is to preach a preacher, and that's so true. Like, there's, there's no way you're gonna be a great communicator I love learning, I love books, I love courses, I love all that stuff, that's supplementary, but where does the, that in addition to doing it 500 times and then 1,000 times and doing it 1,500 times, and then that's why that person is great. So the sooner you punch fear in the face and start is the sooner that you can kind of get some momentum going. Step two is, I think that there's three letters that everybody needs to know when it comes to video, and it's AVL, audio, video, lighting. Most church leaders would know that too, because they got an AVL team. And yep. so before you press record, ask yourself, how how good's the audio quality? And what I mean is, am I sitting next to a train station? Am I in 45 mile per hour winds? Is there an alarm or siren going off? <laughs> if you're in a normal office with low ceilings or whatever, and there's not a lot of echo, then the audio is fine right off your phone. Video, Well, your your videos on your phone? Lighting, Well, if you could sit in front of a window as opposed to in a dark closet, cameras feed off light and the most expensive camera in the world in a low light situation will not look as good as your phone in a good lighting situation. Mm -hmm. So it could be just in front of a window, but I would recommend leaders listening, invest potentially around $100 to get a phone mount and a tripod for your phone, a plug-in lavalier mic that can go in your lightning port or your headphone jack that you could just connect to your shirt. Um, and maybe a softbox light kit that could cost around $75. That's just now you have something you could set up. And so the lighting's good. They can hear you, they can see you. And then it's remembering this, that it's never actually about the production value. Production value matters in the sense of, if you can't see the person, hear them, it literally looks like it was shot on a baked potato. Well, that's going to be a distraction, but It's about the content value, not the production value. The reason people listen to your stuff is because you provide unlocks and leadership. You help me go further faster. You help me avoid things I didn't see coming. So it's the content. It's not your book is not the cardboard and the paper of the pages that I'm investing in. It's actually the content and the wisdom sitting on those pages. So what everybody listening, that's probably the case. They're going to be thought leaders, kind of thoughtpreneurs that are sharing wisdom, information, Bible teaching. So now you're just thinking about these, these are just mediums. It's not even about YouTube. It's not yeah, about yeah. YouTube or the camera. It, that is a meeting place. It's like a synagogue of 2019 to where you have a platform where you could speak into the lives of those listening. And so don't overthink it. Start with your phone and you could use a pile of shoe boxes or a pile of books But then subscribe to Think Media, shameless plug right in the middle there. (laughs) Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll help you. I mean, I'll just help you find a few pieces of tech that'll level up your setup, but then stop worrying about the camera and start thinking about the content.
0: Right. And then when the audience shows up and a few dollars flow in, you can get that nice camera if you want or hire the crew, but nobody starts that way. I mean, not unless you're totally independently wealthy, like no one's going to fund this. You just, you just start. Um, How do you get noticed online? what, what are, what are some of the keys? Cause you're right. You know, the reality is most people doing this are going to post that. Hey, my name's Carrie. This is the start of my YouTube channel. They're going to look next Thursday and there's three views and they're going to go, I quit. So how do you, how do you get noticed?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. And I think we should just ask, uh, how, how is it possible to get noticed period? And <laughs> I say that Kind of joking, but very, very true, because let's think about it like this. If you wanted to grow your YouTube channel, there's a lot of things you could do um, that we would know as, as church leaders. You could um, print out uh, cards, punch a hole in them, put a rubber band in them, and then have interns run door to door and hang them on people's doorknobs. You could. You could do a mailer, right? You could. That is, that is awareness. That's like a picture of you that's like, hey, I'm online right now. You know, come see me or whatever your messaging is. You could go to local events and network. You could uh, buy a billboard. You could call people one by one on the phone and try to talk them into watching your channel. But I share all that because I, I think it's important to get into a promotion mentality is to start thinking, look, or, or and to maybe put the reality of growing anything is hard it grows by word of mouth. It grows by the quality of of what you've put out there. It grows, it grows because they saw an ad. So maybe it's advertising. But if I was to think about the best ways to get discovered online, for me, I like to look for leverage. There's a cool Hmm. book by Shane Snow called Smart Cuts and the premise is that there's not shortcuts in life, but there are smart cuts in in life. The shortest Hmm. path, to your destiny. You're going to have to put in the work. And maybe that's what I'm trying to say. There's no overnight success in this, but there are shorter paths. Here are a few. One is going to be leverage like YouTube being a search engine. That's why I love YouTube the most, because now you're not just putting out a, a content that nobody could search and find. And that the only way you could get awareness to it was from somewhere else. You already have an email list. You already have 300 Twitter followers. So if you send a tweet out, they could go find your video. But search is a lever of Mm. getting in front of some questions. And I've seen, you know, one of the people that are actually part of our community in our course, Video Ranking Academy, his name's Justin Ko. He's got a channel called Bat Christian Vlogger. And so he put out a lot of videos early on about what does God say about X? or best christian books on whatever and some of those videos got sucked into the algorithm they they're just they're on the other side of search so new people find him that did not know him because they type in a search term and they and they discover his videos then they have the option of becoming a fan a subscriber or not here's another one collaborations I mean, chances are, uh, right now, like people are discovering me for the first time. I mean, I'm sure they are. So we're collaborating. So that's, that's an old school way of doing it. Then they might say, all right, well, because I'm interested in that, I'll go check out Sean's channel. The reverse is true. When you launch your YouTube channel with this video, yeah. I can send a ton of traffic to it, right? Like, so I could then say, Hey, I'm over here. They don't know you, but they know me. And then they're able to get to know you. That's collaboration. Bingo. And there's and then social media would be another one. If you are particularly good at another platform or you've been building your influence on another platform, you're at an advantage because now you can educate your audience at that place that this new thing exists over here. So for a church leader, they could also do things a lot better as well. You already have maybe the attention of your church. How can you educate physically like on a Sunday about what people have access to during the week? And then never stop repeating those messages. You know, you're not trying to overdo it. You're just saying, and by the way, if you miss the message, here's where it is. Here's where you can find it. And you're sending traffic to um, those videos. So that would be using your present influence. You've got an email list, maybe experiment on your YouTube show for three to six months until you're comfortable with it. But then eventually you might say, hey, this has launched and that might be a lot of traffic and now people know you're good for it. Then eventually you have momentum because this is what I shared all these things because I want to add as much value to people who are at zero, but like goose egg zero, you just got to hustle. You got to have some grit, some tenacity, You and you might go door to door and you might go to events and never, it's never going to work if you're spammy or overly promotional, but you always do everything with the heart of service. Did you, you know, Oh, you're interested in information like that. I have a great show, you know, weekly, I'm adding value. You might be interested because you truly care. Or sharing that direct video with somebody. I remember back when we started Think International, Jeff would message individual leaders to try to get them to watch our videos, but in a very service-based level. Hey, I know right now, you're going through some systems challenges. We just had an interview with a guy because it's one subscriber at a time. How does a church grow? One member at a time. How does a business grow? One customer at a time. And so it's leveraging all the modern tools. And then let me throw in a fourth one there, recapping YouTube as a search engine, collaborations, using your present influence on other social media or your email list. A fourth one is paid traffic. And I think that a lot of leaders across the board, I don't think, I think it is imperative that everybody listening be embracing digital advertising for whatever it is they're doing. If you're a church planner, I mean, we're a part of a church right now. It's really a move of God here in Vegas it's crazy, we just had one year anniversary, church is a thousand people. Wow. Um, and the church has embraced Facebook ads. Let me say this, not without criticism. Right. I think, you know, cause some people are like, well, why would you? And what's powerful is the pastor as uh, Jabin Chavez, has hasn't taken a salary for um for the church because he is blessed to travel and lead worship and speak. He's one of those guys too. He's gifted at both. You're just like, dude, I want to oh, punch you in the basement like he could just do either. He could just take it either way. Like, but uh, but he's you know amazing guy. So he's he's even paid the Facebook ads out of his own pocket uh because of controversy. Uh, but even still, I know that will change because it's like because people are like, well, should you spend? tithe dollars on digital advertising. It was like, well, what's the difference between a billboard, yeah, that and a mailer, a, mail like, alert, a TV show which I'm all for minute TV ministries. This is no criticism, but dollar for dollar if you're buying time oh, there right. versus potentially paying on social, you have to we need to be wise stewards of our resources, and the most effective form of advertising right now is Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google display network, depending on what you're doing, YouTube ads, targeting locally. And so that's a major deal. And what I like to say is this, I learned this from Alejandro, is that you don't though just wanna do paid ads without testing the content first. Some people think, okay, cool, I could buy my way into a popular podcast or YouTube show. That's not true. I think it has to be proven organically, but once a fire has started, Paid ads are like gasoline for a fire that's already going. Paid ads aren't going to fix your church. You come in, sure. you got a toxic culture, you got you got the wrong leaders up front, you got I mean there's a lot of other things you got to be doing. Oh, like Facebook ads was a secret. No, no, no. It's just awareness that is gasoline to I think health of some sort, a fire that's already burning. And then you're able to scale quickly. And I think that that is not something most people should be thinking about for even a year or two, because you're in your practice and preparation season. You're dialing in your content. You're proving that it works. It's resonating with your audience. But for some listening right now, it is the exact right time that you need to be exploring, uh, investing heavily into digital advertising, because it is a it is the way to scale right now.
0: Yeah, I think it was David Ogilvy, the old uh, you know Madison Avenue ad guy, who said, "Great marketing makes a bad product fail faster," which fail is faster. true. You got to have a great product. One of the things I found, you know, in terms of organic reach, and it's just so simpler. And again, to quote Zig Ziglar, it's like if you help enough people get what they want, eventually get what you want. And I found like the the when I started blogging, which was just over six years ago, like your video, I'm like. The, the the litmus test for me, and I didn't have any money for it. I didn't have anything. Was just just be helpful. Like this blog is not about you, but if you can help some church leader struggling to break the two hundred barrier, or offer some insight about post Christian culture that's going to help somebody who's starting a church, or a leader who's struggling with team issues, then you know if you're if you're the guy who can help then maybe people will come back and that can be a ministry same thing true on video like same just thing helpful is, helpful helpful
1: it's true and I'm glad you added that I would say that that number 5 then as far as how to actually get noticed would be sharing that is yeah. and and why would someone share content ask this question is it shareable and we've <laughs> all done it yeah, we've yeah, all yeah. done we've all seen the post where Some, you know, someone's on there from catalyst conference, just drop in fire. And you're tag like three people. You're like, they need to see this. This was amazing. So that's that idea. And and you're totally right. We lead with service and we lead with real value and word of mouth will probably forever be the most powerful, powerful form of marketing. And so in that first season, you got to generate, because how can you even get in front of one person so they could tell somebody else? So you're really hustling, but that is hopefully what we would achieve and I've seen that that's some of the things we're seeing now just to encourage people. It's definitely happened throughout the years, but we I'm seeing new layers of momentum where I'm like, where was this four years ago? Where now yeah, I'm yeah, seeing yeah. people tag other people in Facebook posts, really share our content or add it to their own playlist. And it goes back to that same thing. When I sit down, I want to think about less about the external uh, things that we all sometimes, you know, how, how well will this do? How great will I look on camera? How... Pond, you know, how powerful yeah. how my philosophical, my face
0: cause it's itchy. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, all this different stuff. When, what it really comes down is, is the, the people watching don't care about any of that stuff. They care about the value that you're delivering. So exactly, you're exactly right. Really helping, yeah. really providing value. And that'll build momentum. Do that year after year, after year, after year. And all of a sudden it creates the big Mo, John Maxwell, laws of leadership, that big Mo hits. We're now we're seeing this happen with our book, YouTube secrets. When you do a book launch, and you know this, mm-hmm. you just work your face off, like 24-7 to yeah. get the word out. But we learned this from some publisher friends of ours. They said, what is the best way, to echo the David Hogovie quote, what's the best way to launch a successful book? Write a good book. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like, man, King Solomon here. I mean, there's, there's some wisdom, like, because... Yeah. Great things like Seth Godin, the fame, you know, so such a marketing voice. Always just say like great, remarkable things get talked about. It's something that gets shared because it's truly good. When we wrote YouTube secrets, then how do you write a good book? And you would know this as well. We declared on camera, just like I told you, we held up a vlogging camera in 2015. And we said, this is the vision because I have a co-author, Benji Travis. This is what we're going to do. Book is coming out in 2016. That's on the internet. We declared Mm -hmm. it. And then it wasn't until four years later, because we wanted it to be right and not rushed, we got to different parts where we just thought it wasn't quite as strong as it needs to be, and um, we also put the brakes on. I think with a, there could be procrastination breaks, but there also could be it's not ready yet breaks, and yeah, yeah. it was probably a mix of the two. But nevertheless, so much. One of the reasons why it's a great book is because blood, sweat, tears, time. Pain, rewriting, uh, you know, interviewing people, testing the theories, doing it all went into it. And um, that kind of takes us back to that idea of of there really is no shortcuts. There's smart cuts, but there's no shortcuts around doing the actual work and providing real
0: value. I think that's a really good point, Sean, because a book is a book. Like the book is going to sit there, particularly because it's not just an ebook, it's a book book. I think about books as like, yeah, that might be on someone's shelf two decades from now. No blog post I wrote is going to be on someone's screen two decades from now, as far as I can tell. And, you know, blogs can afford to be okay. And I realized when it really started to take off, you know, you hit a million views or whatever, you're like, oh my gosh, now what? And it's like, I can't fail. I can't fail. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Doing a whole lot of not so good blog posts got me to writing a few good blog posts and the internet sorts that out. They determine what goes viral and what doesn't. People do, not you. And yep. I guess the same is true in blog and uh, vlogging, right? In YouTubing, you get to the point where you throw a hundred videos up, and and those two or three are going to provide disproportionate results and disproportionate help to people.
1: I, I exactly, it is definitely a volume game, and I would encourage people with that to be less concerned with one output and more concerned with the with a multiplicity of outputs. Let's say twenty uploads for the two or the three that yeah, they yeah. break through, because you that is not only what you may not know, you probably won't. We have a, we had a viral video, nearly 3.3 million views. I think it was called how How to get free things on Amazon. And that is a very provocative title, but I just, it was just yeah. this one niche video. I quickly shared it, didn't overthink the production. And it just took off and I never would have saw it coming. And some of the videos that I've obsessed on, invested money into, B-roll, creativity, sometimes have sat there and they haven't been the ones that have broken through. It's the commitment to the process of creating the content, to the journey, and not the precipice of the mountain, right? To, to not just think it's about a destination, but it's about serving people and learning as we go in the process and really loving that process. I think trying to fall in love, I know this sounds like work, but trying to fall in love that... Once you will get overcome the fear of video and camera and the technical side, and it will eventually be like second nature to you. I want to encourage leaders, you know, using Microsoft Word or using like Excel. uh, I don't know if people use those anymore. Now it's like Evernote, Google Docs, you know, but growing up, those were like normal skills. Like we all have Mm. to learn how to do, we all have to know how to use the phone. You know what I mean? Like we, as we were growing up, we had to learn these skills. I truly believe that social media and online video are actually becoming just new essential skills, not to be like a master of, of the famous YouTubers, but to be able to just know how to, how to just communicate clear and effectively and use your phone and hopefully look at the little tiny lens. That's hard to see and not yourself so that you're making eye contact with your audience. You know, like those are just things you learn as you go, but this stuff is not slowing down. This train is speeding up John Maxwell wrote a good book called Leadership, and one of the stats that LinkedIn Learning discovered was that most modern jobs, every three years, you'll have to relearn 30% of your job.
0: Oh, that's
1: very true. 30% of your job is going to be irrelevant three years from now.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking even about video. I mean, we started as a video church, and that was very, very new for me a decade ago. And now there's hardly a week where I don't do video of some kind. And it used to be like, you know, 38 takes and like, oh, gosh, can the crew stay just a bit longer? And now it's like, you know, three minutes, you're done. And you're a lot more forgiving. And I think because video is much more ubiquitous, you see it everywhere, uh, people kind of expect that that raw feel to it, and and actually, is that somewhat? Uh, this isn't the list of questions, but just thinking about that, like there's sort of two genres. One would be super high produced, like almost like Hollywood, Amazon Prime, Netflix. Another would be not nah, just a guy on his phone or a woman on her phone, and it's kind of raw and unedited. I guess both are legit genres. Like, how many different genres would there be in video? There's-
1: there's all kinds, and I think this information will be encouraging. There's actually two interesting case studies. Here, here they are, actually. Yeah. One thing that's interesting to study is looking at Hollywood celebrities that have transitioned to YouTube. A lot of them have failed. Right. And, so, um, and the reason they did is because they went into the new medium with the old mindset. Come on. They, went into, <sighs> they, they, tried, to have, they tried to put some new wine in, some old wineskins, and it didn't work. Now, some have succeeded. One that's doing great is Will Smith. He's got a lot of momentum, but his YouTube channel is a little, it's kind of a hybrid. One of the reasons it's powerful is because he does speak raw to the camera, but he brings a level of production value that I'm sure some people love, but I would dare say it's a little overproduced. Another example of a recent celebrity that just showed up on YouTube out of nowhere was Jack Black, Jablinski. Mm -hmm. And he just started doing super raw stuff. It you could just tell it came right out from his heart. His kid is into gaming. He kind of wanted to support him. No production at all. And just blew up, just crushing it. Now, Will, I mean, These are, we're talking about two heavy-hitting celebrities yeah. here. But I think comparing the two things revealed something that people really resonate with real, raw, authentic. And it's a proof of concept that it's not about the production value. It's about the content value. Why are people watching? Well, they're interested in him. They're interested in what he has to say. Yeah. And the real and the raw is definitely working. So, yeah, I think that we've learned overproducing your content can actually be um, – hurtful and not helpful let's put this even into back to that trey van camp visit our church type of style video what a lot of us as church leaders might think is oh let's just get the perfect looking family and get the dslrs out and make a polished video versus like if it's real raw still thoughtful by the way it still needs like a good story so needs to communicate yeah, yeah, good yeah. information It it, it takes people on a journey, but if it's shaky and it literally is like you're walking in the parking lot and this is, you're kind of seeing down the kid's wing and where you're checking your kids, people relate to that. Mm. And we have seen that that is usually the most powerful content format right now for connecting with people. And it's happening time and time again. It's not to say there's not a place for the Netflix, Amazon Prime produced shows, but what we see happen every day is Netflix is investing billions in original content and a lot of those shows are terrible and they and they don't succeed. Yeah, yeah. They're playing a numbers game too, and they got some great ones. But what does that reveal to us? It reveals that you could invest millions of dollars into a show. You could have perfect lighting, the best cameras, a whole team supporting you. But it's the content that's going to matter. So I want to encourage people, yeah, get real and raw. And honestly, probably the more real and raw you are, the more you speak your truth, right? That you really just... I think as church leaders, I'm kind of glad we're going here because there was this era and it was kind of the Christian television era and mm-hmm. even a style of church leadership where there was a disconnection from the guy on the platform and the people in the pews and that, that sometimes too, we, we built up false standards of, of maybe like, shoot, if I show people inside my house, my house is messy. These are, this is stuff that scares us mm-hmm. as pastors, right? If they see my house my, my kid, my kid does go crazy. You know what I mean? like <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, do, he did like just punch his fit sister in the face, but it's like, shoot. am I and, and, and I, it's, there's guilt on both sides in the sense of one, we may not have created a culture where you could be real. And you're like, shoot, I, my family needs to be in decency and order. So I can't, you know, like, but that's what people relate with. Come on. Like we all got issues. Yeah, like yeah. we all are in process, but then that balance of Also not necessarily showing or showing that much, or or not not trying to hide anything, but keeping up a professional appearance. And I don't really know what the answer is, but I definitely know that people are more uh, resilient or they They got their their sirens, their 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 scanners can kind of just th- see through fake more than ever before or just surface level stuff more than ever before. So if there could be any conclusion to this, it's that there is something deeply powerful about you being real, raw, authentic, of course, still honoring and and still uh, wise. But it's what connects with people, and I think there's a lot of leaders right now that are. Kind of taking risks. I mean, what are we doing if we're not taking some level of risks? No risk, no reward. Like, I believe it's Martin Luther of church history starts remixing bar songs, which seems so unholy, but it was something that was massively powerful at that time in history for connecting with people. And the religious were deeply uncomfortable with it, but there was some people who had the courage to be pioneers. And to try something. And so I think that we're being invited to explore explore those uh, that world with social media and YouTube as church leaders.
0: Yeah. Ein Feisteberg, right? A mighty fortress. That was a bar tune at one point. And you know, one of the guys who I think did this quite well, even maybe a little ahead of the curve, is Carlos Whitaker, Lost Wit. And he's included his family. He's had viral videos, you know, of his son, ended up on Good Morning America and the Today Show with some of that stuff and has been very transparent about his life. Another couple that's doing a great job right now, I think is uh, Rachel and Dave Hollis. So you look at their videos and speaking of production value, I mean, they already had platform girl, wash your face blew up and it changed their life. But when they started their couples podcast rise together, they were literally driving to an event and had the iPhone on the center console and recorded their video. And it was just, it was crazy because it was crappy audio. And then I heard her talk about it later and she was like, yeah, our producer said, you can't air this. And all of a sudden it's the number one podcast on iTunes, you know? And so you just, you can't predict, but I think that real and the veneer and like even my kids, you know, on my Insta stories, which is my favorite, they're like, dad, you're an idiot sometimes, but that's you. Right. And people want to, they want to connect with you. So this has been so helpful. Okay. Anything else on video? They don't want to ask you one or two more questions, but you've helped a ton of leaders today. Thank you, Sean. Um, you
1: know, the pleasure's all mine. Just super honored to be here. And um, no, I mean, I think I think that video is, it's kind of becoming almost trite, but I, I think as church leaders, we just need to not even let, you know, like the internet, it it was like the printing press and then it was the radio and then it was television. And we're living through the greatest communication shift in the last 2000 years. But that is a fact. Yeah, we really are. The internet's changed everything. And then online video is sitting at the top of the social media mountain as far as, as far as just distribution and reaching people, the implications, they have all kinds of different nuances. But if there was one takeaway, it was that I cannot sleep on this. I can't ignore this. I need to figure out how this is relevant for me and how I'm going to um, leverage online video for my organization so that I can accomplish the mission God has given me to accomplish.
0: Well, I think that's a good analogy too, particularly, you know, at least in my head where I'm like, huh, do I really need to go video? It's kind of like somebody in the late nineties going, so this internet thing, is that, is that going to be around for long? Or like social media, is that here to stay? Or what about this online church thing? Like that's going away, right? And it's kind of like saying, well, no, if you actually look at the stats and where people are, like video is going to be. The thing. So you've had this rocket ride for the last three years where all of a sudden you're like, "Wow, we don't have rent money unless I do this well. Um, what have been some keys to scaling for you?
1: So in order, and there's been multiple, but in order was to repeat, even what we've said in the interview, was find something that's working but then don't abandon it to move on to the next shiny object before you get it really working. Right. And so what I did was I first went into those first two months and had made some of that, uh, you know, recovered our initial income, But then i didn't slow down so now it was like i could have even settled there that was an optional settle point it could have been like oh cool now i have a baseline as a content creator and i wouldn't even say that's bad you need to know what god's called you to uh, what your personal ambitions i believe are planted there probably partly by the divine in the sense of five talents ten talents so again if if you know settling sometimes i think would be a wrong way to label something yeah. if you know that's your your world to steward things but i know for me i've always felt i'll tell i'll even tell you this what i realized was i was challenged after i initially started my youtube channel because my family once my family's needs were met i actually really felt with god i was at a y in the road to say and i, I remember this clear as day that it was like okay well your needs are met but what about the rest of the world Yes. And I'm going to say something that's pretty powerful or challenging here. could be controversial is that I actually think that if you stop at a place where just your needs are met, you're being selfish. Christians will say, I only need as much to meet my needs. I'm not saying they're bad people. I know they've got a good intent, but I actually believe they're under a limiting belief. Oh, well you've got enough to meet your needs. Well, what about your neighbors? And as a calling to be an entrepreneur, you also are called to employ others who will be feeding their families. You know, one of our family, our chief operation officer, they just adopted a, a child. So they're at three kids now. And she was in tears saying, you've given me and I don't I'm not trying to take the credit. No, no, this no, no. I get business it. has given them the opportunity to be able to care for that child pay their bill so that's one aspect the impact of the business is more our church bought a building in this first year us as kingdom builders being able to just drop a check on that so even as i got to a place i thought wow we're living in vegas cost of living's cheap we're making enough i actually realized i had to capture a bigger vision because survival is level one right. but thriving is past that so i mean i was just i was like i've got to pay my bills and feed my wife but I needed to really capture a bigger vision. And that's kind of what I did first. I think that's a scale principle.
0: Yeah, you know, dude, thank you for saying that. And you are dealing with something that God is dealing with me right now. Because I think, I think what's going to happen to at least some of the listeners, and maybe it's happening to some of you right now, is you got the side hustle. Or like, if you would have said to me seven years ago, hey, Kerry, what are you doing with your life? I'd be like, well, you know, I'm still going to be involved at my church, but for the most part, I'm podcasting, blogging, speaking around the world, writing books. I'd be like, no, What? what? And there's this weirdness that happens with like, this is way bigger than it was ever supposed to be. And I I didn't know what to do with it. And I feel like I've got voices in my life right now that are like, no, dude, this is a calling. And it is far beyond your personal needs as a family. It's like, you have responsibility to get a message out and to help leaders. And that this is as much of a calling as planting a church. And so I'm just struggling with that right now, struggle, let's struggle, struggle was maybe more a year ago, but it's like, it is all right to lean into your calling. And my big goal last year was like God determines size, which means if you're at three views, okay, God determines size. But you know, if you're at 7 million downloads or, you know, 7 million views or whatever, um, that that's okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that is you and God isn't in it, that, that he may be using you to help people. And, and that's okay. That's really good. So leaning into this and, and, and that's awesome. Oh man, well, I would encourage people to pick up YouTube Secrets. It's a good practical primer and that book is available anywhere books are sold. Um, any last tips or advice that you wanna share before we go or even mistakes you made along the way? <laughs> I mean, I think we've shared that fairly openly and transparently.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the, everybody listening is already this person. So I'm just kind of preaching to the actual choir, but I think that the best investment that you can make is in yourself. I mean, okay, obviously yeah. like we got to invest in eternity and whatnot, but I think that as leaders, the the best investment you can make is always in yourself. Lifelong leaders are lifelong learners. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir. They're here at this podcast an hour into it. They're still listening. Clearly you're a leader, you're a learner, but having just uh, that deep belief that everything is figure outable and that you've got great podcasts like this and great resources that are out there moving into a new vertical like embracing video or social media can be very uncomfortable it's it's calling us out of our comfort zone um we have so many other things to do you've got a million fires in your church right now you've got like four staff members you need to talk whatever it is there's so much other stuff to do it could be hard to not necessarily you know to even think about having the time and the bandwidth to do this but everything's figure outable and just like At one point in your life, maybe you weren't going to the gym, and now you figure out how to do that with as busy as you are. At one point in your life, you didn't have kids. And then (laughs) somehow you figured out how to still do what you're doing with kids. You can figure this out. like you, But if you keep learning and investing in yourself, invest in the conferences and the books and the courses, and little by little, a little becomes a lot – Because Carrie, what we're really getting ready for is 2025 and and 2030, you know? Yeah. And so it's sometimes we could be frantic, like reacting to this now. No, I just want to plant seeds now in my team with vision, in myself, expanding my thinking, being exposed to different uh, you know, opportunities like this and new ideas. And then continuing to water those things. I want those seeds planted. Then I want to nurture them. And even if it's on the back burner, all 2019, like your bandwidth might be maxed right now. And there is massive opportunity, but you've got some things to fix. At least you're nurturing it along. You're casting vision for your team, for your church. And you're moving in the right direction by saying, we got to figure this stuff out. Because if you start steering the ship that way now then in 2022, you're going to be reaping rewards that will you'll be even further behind if you just don't start moving in that direction right now. I'm empathetic. I understand that there's 46 things above the list right now that probably every leader has to do, but you got to figure out how to also integrate this social media and online video thing at a really high level. And by 2025, You could be that magician mom that's listening that somehow makes it to the gym and keeps her kids alive and actually gets (laughs) them home from soccer practice and runs her Etsy shop. We're highly capable, but it's little by little, right? It's just learning those new competencies and skills and we pick up speed and momentum as we go. Uh, Just to echo one last thing that says the same thing. Leader shift. It's this idea that the world is going faster. And I was reading the beginning of that new John Maxwell book. And he was saying in the 1980s, (laughs) he was like, the world wasn't even kind of as crazy as it was now. But this podcast is not about whether that's right or wrong or healthy. Because there's, that's a whole other conversation about how fast culture is going right. and why we need to disconnect. And and yes, you should go turn your phone off for a day. But that's not the conversation here. I think right. that would be hedging. That would be kind of procrastinating and making excuses. The truth of the matter is that these are tools when used with wisdom, when used with di- discipline, when used with a smart strategy, when used not frantically but in smart, you know, calculated manners. And every leader listening can do this and embrace this. And it will only mean reaching more people, going deeper with the people you're already connected to, greater financial upside, greater momentum and impact for your church, your business, your nonprofit. The future is forward. And so I hope this podcast has been encouraging. And I know that everybody listening can crush it if they start moving in that direction.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, you know, too, because uh, one of the, one of the I guess, final, final question is, you know, has this peak? Because I think back to blogging when I really started in 2012 and some people said, dude, blogging's dead. It's like, well, not really. Not for me, it wasn't. And then podcasting in 2014, I did get in a little earlier on that one. Podcasts have been around for a while, but we're enjoying a resurgence. And the interview format was unheard of in the church space. So we we got that. But like video hasn't even come close to peaking, has it?
1: Well, the way I'd answer that question is this. I'm in Las Vegas adjacent to the great state of California. And on California, there's a, a beach, there's lots of beaches. And some of them include Newport Beach, California, Laguna Beach, California. Right now, if I wanted to go buy a nice home on the, the beach of Newport Beach, we're looking at, you know, anywhere between one to 20 million dollars <laughs> to get it probably, probably five to $20 million to get started. If it was in a good spot in, in in Newport beach and anywhere along the coast of California. Now, if we go back 50 years, I might've been able to pick up some real estate on that very beach for a couple hundred grand. True.
0: Yeah, very true.
1: And so if, if I would sit here today and say, man, you know what, if I would have back in 2000 or 1970 bought a bunch of realists. Then today I would be, well, but it doesn't matter, Sean, you know, unless you figure out how to time travel or teleport, that ship has sailed. But the truth is this. Real estate agents are still working today. Transactions on houses are still working today. It's just real painful, man. It's just real. Yeah, brutal. and the
0: guy who bought at five million a decade ago is sitting on fifteen today. It's like maybe it's like that. You know, the best time to plant an oak tree was twenty-five years ago. The second best time is today. It's today? Yeah, that
1: you summed it up. And so that's what I would say. I would say that what is going to ha- What's going to happen is we just can't ignore these tools. Was it better to get in blogging or podcasting then? Sure. But nevertheless, that that's all, that ship has come and went. What I would encourage then to then be a little more specific. You're right, though. I don't think the video ship has even completely set. I, the, is the party over. I really believe this. The party is just getting started. Um, I, it's still very young. So it still is underpriced real estate digital real estate, if you will. So I'd still say go all in, but even if someone happened to dig up this podcast three years from now, my answer would still be the same because you have to still, you just have to live life. You know, would you rather plant your church in the perfect location on the corner of the most busy street and have no competition from any other churches? Well, of course you'd rather do that, but then you're also gonna be in the context of what today's reality is. So the sooner you move, the better. Um, but it's always going to be a matter of adapting. And at some level, it'll be even a level of maintenance. Some of this stuff, it will be less about viral breakthroughs and a lot of crazy outlier things. It'll be a stabilization of the market. The market will stable Mm -hmm. out, it'll level out, but you'll still need to know how to use video and social to continue to communicate. And so I love that you asked that question because wise leaders, would ask, should I invest in this? You always are saying, should I use my finances, my time, my energy, and my team to invest in something? And if the ship has sailed, then maybe it's not the right timing to do the investment. I think that that point has been dispelled. That the answer is yes, no matter what, to invest in this. Um, Because one, it is early, but even if it wasn't, it's the reality of modern communication. And so you wanna be where people are regardless. Not to keep this thing going, but just like every church should be very attentive to their Yelp reviews, their Google reviews, their Google listings, the SEO of their website, SEO, search engine optimization, was easier five, 10 years ago, but it's still just as relevant as it was then. It's just more competition. Um, so it's like anything else. Encourage people to um, to look for ways to be enterprising and creative in the midst of the ever-changing landscape of digital communications.
0: Sean, this has been super helpful and a little bit convicting. So this had better be the debut of my YouTube channel or else I have a lot of explaining to do. So uh, tell us about the book where people can find you online too.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much. Um, YouTube Secrets, available on Amazon, ebook, or physical book, um, amazon.com, and around the world on all of the Amazons. So it should be in Australia and India, and natively to be able to buy it physically, or or digital, um, Canada, other places. And you could find me, if you go to YouTube, you could just type in the words think, and then media, think space media. And you can also go to YouTube and type in the word video space influencers, with an E-R-S on the end, video influencers. And those two YouTube channels are just kind of like a free college university course on YouTube and online video. A lot of great content out there. Some of that content will lead people to other things we have, but those are, there's a wealth of resources and I would encourage people that would be more than enough to feed on and implement for a year or two. Great place to get started. Think media and video influencers.
0: What's your most common or most used social channel? Is it Instagram, uh, Twitter? Uh, I love Instagram, but Twitter, I'm hyperactive. Sean
1: Cannell, S-E-A-N-C-A-N-N-E-L-L. I love Twitter as a communication way to talk back and forth with people, answer a lot of questions. And so Twitter would probably be the best place if somebody had a specific question.
0: Fantastic. You helped a lot of leaders, Sean. Thank you so much.
1: Carrie, thank you for what you're doing, inspired by your work and your community, and really honored to be a part of the podcast today.
0: I love stories like that, you know, where you start from scratch, things weren't going particularly well. And the next thing you know, you got over 20 million people a month watching your content. Hope that was helpful. If you want to drill down a little bit deeper, you can go to the show notes. There's all kinds of resources there, including everything we talked about. You can go to kerrynewhoff.com episode 264 or head on over to leadlikeneverbefore.com, which will take you to the same place and just type in Sean, S-E-A-N, Cannell two N's, two L's, and you'll find the show notes there. Also in the show notes are transcripts. So if you want to do that, I know so many of you share these resources uh, with your staff or you want to just do a deeper personal study, you can do all that right off the show notes. Uh, I am super excited to be back next week with a fresh episode. We've got Les McEwen and uh, I'm not even going to like spoil that for you, okay? So just come back next Tuesday and he's got some content that will melt your Mind, I love Les. He's one of my favorite leaders, and we're going to talk all about growth and scale. And if you haven't yet tried Trained Up for free, head on over to servehq.church, and you can do that now. And remember, we've got introductory pricing on right now for Church Growth Masterclass. It's a brand new resource that I'm offering a brand new course featuring some existing product and some brand new product in a way that's packaged to help you and your church grow. If you're not growing, we got that covered for the first time. It's like, yep, we're going to deal with that. And if you are growing, well, there's some barriers you need to scale. We talk all about that inside the Masterclass. So head on over to churchgrowthmasterclass.com where you can learn more. Hey, we're back next week with Les McEwen and a fresh episode. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before.